What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Canes Insight Podcast here at the Canes Insight Studios. I am your host, Peter Ariz, alongside D Money. We have a big show ahead here talking spring game recap. Um, but of course, as always, go on YouTube page, like, subscribe, comment. You know, we're on all the social media channels. Follow us on there Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. As you can see, we're making a big push with content lately, and that's only going to get ramped up as we get closer to the season. And also, if you guys have not checked it out already, go look at the Canes Insight shop. You can get your Canes Insight merch on there, obviously your classic Canes Insight uh, shirts, and then some, you know, some stuff that you guys may be familiar with on the board, some slogans, stuff like that, and we have more coming, but go on there and support uh, the CanesInsight.com uh, shop. Champion hoodies also. Yeah. Good material, guys. So, you know, we didn't go cheap here. Um, you're getting stuff that's going to last a long time. Um, so go on there and support. But, D, we have spring game recap. Uh, obviously, Friday night we had, you know, broken it down last week, stuff we were looking for. Um, you made a big post on the website that you guys can go on there and check out, right? Uh, but your overall uh, biggest takeaways uh, from the spring game. Well, first of all, I wanted to plug the YouTube stream. So not just doing yeah. this podcast, also have a live stream, more kind of crowd fan base interaction with the Canes community. Um, so check that out. Ran, I think, on Thursday, right? Yeah, you was... can go check. Uh, it's, you know, it's still up there now, so you can get a, a glimpse of what it, what it was like when we did it live. Yeah, a lot of fun. That'll be another thing we're doing. Uh, but as far as the spring game, a lot of the stuff you saw in spring practice and you heard about on the Kansas High podcast, you saw in the game. I'd say two things that were very different. You're missing your top two guards, uh, Javion Cohen and S. Cooper. Both of them are fine. No long-term concern there, but they were held out, kind of last-minute scratches. So you're missing your two stud guards. Made a big difference in terms of the interior pressure and the overall look of the offensive line. So that was different. Also, Jakari Brown played probably his worst scrimmage practice of the spring under the bright lights. So that's, you know, that's unfortunate. Cristobal made a comment in the post game that, you know, you sat to see that because it didn't really reflect some of the progress. But at the same time, the inconsistency is real, and you saw some of that uh, over there in Lockhart, now Drive Pink Stadium. So those two things were somewhat different than some of the things you saw in spring, but a lot was the same. The offense, a lot more fun to watch. I think anybody would agree that the scrimmage – on Saturday, it was a lot more fun than last year's spring game. You saw the freshmen making plays, the true freshmen. Really, the crystal ball recruits top to bottom. As far as last year's class, which was sort of a last-minute class, you saw Ahmad Moten with two sacks, one of which was called. The other one, they just let, let the play roll, but would have been a sack against the first team, beating Matt Lee, which is impressive. Talk about Cyrus Moss signing it from Las Vegas. Didn't play a ton, but... Looked really good on the edge. Showed that natural bend. A little bit of his ability to play in space. Can fit as a hybrid in this Gidry defense. A role Nigel e. Kelly is also playing. So he flashed. You saw um, Francis Malagoa from this year's class looking exceptional. Just the athleticism when you see him in person on the field is something to behold. I always thought that Penny Sewell comparison was unfair. It's just a top 10 pick compared to him. But what the recruiting sites always said was – if you look at the testing numbers from when they were in high school, Malagoa was actually ahead of Penny Sewell pretty much across the board. And seeing him in person, that athleticism is absolutely real. He was pulling all day, effectively, powerful at the point of attack, and there was a play where Jacoby George had a catch and run where you saw Malagoa basically sprint and accelerate 
and knock out uh, Marquise Williams with a safety to pop a big run. It looked different from what I've seen on Green Tree for many, many years. As far and he as, may not have been the best Malago on the field. Francisco Malago, the transfer from Washington State, I watched three or four of his games last year. He was playing next to uh, Henley, uh, linebacker at Washington State, who's not going to be an NFL player. And, you know, he looked good, but he didn't look like a star, like maybe Henley looked like. Watching him in this spring and the spring game, he looked like a star. I think he's a guy that's getting better. He's got a lot of physical tools. High school skill position player, played quarterback, played receiver, big body, has the, the physicality to expect from a Samoan player, as well as high IQ, tremendous instincts. He can, he can rush. You see him blowing up the A-gap. You see him. Had a nice chase down of Jacoby George on a screen play as well. Yeah, he can run. He has multiple interceptions this spring. Just does a lot at the linebacker position and brings the attitude that you want to see. So he's someone that could be, he'll definitely be a major upgrade, but he might even be an impact player in the ACC. That's something to watch as far as, you know, impressing you in the spring game. Uh, uh, Nathaniel Joseph, Ray Ray Joseph from Edison, the slot receiver. He looked very quick, very smart, opportunistic, made a tough catch in between two linebackers, just showed you a lot of production, which he's done throughout the spring. I mentioned had four touchdowns a couple Thursdays ago. Scrimmage, he's been balling out consistently, and now in the spring game uh, has a big game with a touchdown catch from Emory Williams and a lot of big plays. The senior or the upperclassmen receivers, Colby Young, Xavier Restrepo, the older guys, both look really good as far as starters. I think Colby Young, we talked about all spring, how his lost weight is affecting him and making him faster. I think those of you who were at the scrimmage or saw it on Saturday saw that speed and that improved explosiveness from him. Restrepo, what you really see in person is this guy's built like a running back. When he catches the ball, it's not, you know, Barrios was extremely athletic, but Barrios wasn't necessarily breaking tackles after the catch like this guy is doing consistently. I think that's what he makes him unique as an after-the-catch threat and obviously a, a guy that TVD loves. So impressed with those two. The other receiver spot, you saw Jacoby George make some plays. Isaiah Horton makes some plays. Those guys need big summers because Miami, as we'll talk about, is going to the portal to try to push those guys and find someone who can come in right away and compete uh, and fill that trio with Colby Young and Xavier Restrepo. Some real depth uh, getting built, which you can't say that about many positions right now uh, on the roster, but some real depth at tight end, which we talked about multiple times during the spring. You see Jaleel Skinner with some added weight, you know, his ability to break some tackles now and obviously continue to be a, a, a vertical threat. Um, but as, as well as Riley Williams, who had a great first spring at Miami and a chance to get a lot of reps, you know, maybe more than you would have expected him to get, uh, you know, prior to him getting on campus. But what a big opportunity for, for those guys uh, in, in the spring. That's a group that when you look at, it looks the part. It looks Miami. They're all about 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, they all have some size to them. They all have some athleticism to them. So that's one position where Miami is – pretty much where they need to be. Now, they need an All-American tight end to be where they need to be. None of these guys are that yet. I think Arroyo, he can recover from the injury, has the talent to be that sort of NFL every-down tight end who can also use his athleticism. But talented group, Riley Williams looks like a, a stud. There was a reason why we had to beat Ohio State and Alabama to get him. Jaleel Skinner, you notice the added weight, and I think where Skinner really can thrive is running after the catch. 
He's always had those long strides. So if you get him the ball, he can eat up grass in a hurry, get you 30, 40 yards at the tight end position in a way that's unique, kind of like Will Mallory. You saw him do sometimes, but maybe a little more power at the end of it now that he's gained some weight. You see him breaking tackles and showing a little more. I think as he gets stronger he's gonna and heavier, he's going to continue to break tackles like he did in the spring game and be more of an after-the-catch threat with that aspect of his game. You talked about the guys missing in the interior offensive line, and really we see the lack of depth in the, you know, in the second and third units of the offensive line right now. Um, but if you look at the other side of the ball, the defensive line had some really good moments. How much of that is the continued you know, growth of that group with some guys who are out right now or you know, just the flat-out bad second and third units of the offensive line. Because you see a Ruben Bain with three sacks. Moten, who you've harped on all spring, he has a, a really good performance Friday night. And, and you know, Coach Cristobal, you know, signal, you know uh, singles him out as a, a top performer. So what, you know, how would you assess the performance of that group on, on uh, Friday night? And then moving forward, how uh, excited are you about that group or how concerned are you because there are still some, you know, some gaps to be filled in there? What I heard from somebody at UM, this was really the first couple days of spring, they expect defensive line to be the strength of the team. When you look at the unit in spring, they're missing so many guys, you can't really compare. But you still saw a Nigel Kelly who looks like a potential NFL player as far as length and talent. You saw Anthony Moten, or sorry, Mod Moten continue to progress. Cyrus Moss, the flashes we mentioned. Chance Williams getting better and better with all the work he puts in. He's one of the hardest workers on the team. You see that slow and steady development there. Uh, Branson Dean, while he was on the field, saw his twitch and ability. So the uh, Lichtenstein, you liked him always yeah. and, and had an eye on him. So you see those guys do things, and then you know you're adding a Leonard Taylor, Jared Harrison Hunt. You're going to add someone in the portal who's going to be a big athletic defensive tackle you're going to add a Jafari Harvey, Akeem Mesador, who played a little bit at the end of spring, but really one of the best players on the team when he's fully engaged. So that unit, I think, showed what you wanted to see because the young players developed. Ahmad Moden, who before the spring we kind of circled as, this is a guy to watch. He had a productive spring and did what he was supposed to do. So to me, no injuries, very no serious injuries, very encouraged by, That's the, a, by the that. I mean, that right there, the no injuries thing is a huge thing. Um, coming out of spring because you had a lot coming in to to spring, but it doesn't seem like there's anything moving forward that the team should really worry about. Yeah, knock on wood, that'll be a full group. And again, you mentioned Ruben Bain. He had a coverage sack on Jalen Rivers. He was able to beat Samson Okalola frequently during the spring, also beat Francis. He's a real player. His size will translate even though he's short. He's lower body thick, and he knows how to use his strength long arms, et cetera, I think that will be college-ready, even though he's not, he's not going to grow during his college time as far as upwards. But physically, I think he's ready to, to, to hold up and play, advance from a technique standpoint, elite from a motor standpoint. He'll play right away, and I, I could see him getting you know five or six sacks this season just because he's, his motor is so relentless. Talk about the secondary a little bit. Um, you know, we're not going position by position here, but that's going to be a group, especially the cornerback spot, that you'd expect more movement in the portal. Um, but I think Daryl Porter did a good job on Friday night. The corners played well in the spring game. Up and down spring, but good spring game. Daryl Porter, solid player. You know what you're getting. He has film. You could pop in tape of him at West Virginia against Oklahoma. 
doing a nice job against that passing attack. So you know what you're going to get from him. I thought Devontae Brown was the best corner uh, all spring, who you've talked about as being a potential NFL guy. It really shows up the difference between him and Porter at the catch point because where Porter might have good coverage and they still catch it over him, much more difficult. You know, it's like Jacoby George, that perfect pass that went right over his shoulder. Much more difficult to do against a Devontae Brown with his length and ability to disrupt right there at the catch point. One possibility, and I talked to somebody about this uh, around the program, could we see Devontae Brown and Damari Brown, who are brothers, starting at corner for the Miami Hurricanes? And I was told that is a very real possibility. you got to see what happens when Damari Brown gets here, but that's a real possibility. Daryl Porter will be firmly in the mix. American Heritage really stepping up for Miami. Who would After have all this? these years. Unbelievable. And IMG, it's a bizarre world, but those guys are all going to be relied upon to, to fortify Miami secondary. Plus, again, an aggressive campaign in the portal for cornerbacks. So, so let's, let's just get right into that because that's, you, you made a post on, on the website. It pretty much looks like they're going to try to add someone at, at every spot just about. Um, it, first of all, do you have any names? You know, I, I know guys will be entering the portal throughout the week. There's going to be a lot of names that come up and some you know, more premier names that aren't necessarily there just yet. Um, but how quickly do you expect them to start moving on this? Um, because we saw last year that might have been a little bit of the issue, especially in the beginning, is not getting, not being aggressive enough um, from the jump. Obviously, you saw them go after a ton of guys and add a ton of guys you know, for, for this, the spring now, but they've had a chance to see some of those guys. Uh, you might kind of realize what you have, and now they have to reassess things. Cristobal has not been shy in saying that they're going to make runs at a, a, a ton of guys in the portal. Um, so again, how quickly do you see them, them working, and you know, what are the numbers going to look like? I'm told expect a flood in the portal. They're going to be extremely aggressive. It's going to come fast. So there might be news by the time this podcast hits. You're listening to this podcast on the way to work. Check canesinsight.com and the forums when you pull in because it's happening that fast. The name we know, Lou Cristobal from Georgia State, started a bunch of games for them. Obviously the nephew of Mario Cristobal. His dad, uh, Lou Cristobal, also Louis Cristobal, played at Miami. So... He's a natural as far as the backup center. People aren't going to get excited about that. You know, a Georgia State kid, what's the big deal? But Miami does need a backup center, and that's something that they want to add. He's the name we know, but he's certainly not going to be the last name or anywhere near the biggest name. I've been saying it consistently, but I've received confirmation. Running back, wide receiver, which may not be two. It may just be one based on the way some guys played in spring, but could be two depending on how things play out. Defensive uh, tackle, big and athletic, not just a plugger, potentially a linebacker, nickel, and then one or two corners. Big shopping list, but that's what they're looking for. And if a backup quarterback comes in that can play right away and doesn't mind being a backup, that will be something that they absolutely explore. So we've been saying the same thing, but I can tell you it's happening, and you will see these names pop up uh, pretty quickly. And I think some of the names will excite people, but you got to let the process play out. Uh, we'll see how the whole thing develops. A lot of this is fluid. Miami doesn't know who's going in the portal, so a lot of it is reactive. But Miami is in position to be very, very aggressive once they see the portal start uh, dropping names at those positions. So, D, recruiting-wise, outside of the portal, a couple big pickups over the last uh, few days. I know you wanted to get into that. 
uh, Dylan Day, and Chance Robinson. Uh, Chance, local guy out of St. Thomas Aquinas, big-bodied receiver. Dylan Day uh, from the boot, from Baton Rouge. You know, we, we know how much talent comes out of that area. Um, and it's good to see Miami continuing to, to, to dip into Louisiana. Um, and you'd expect them to with, with Guidry's ties down there. Um, but can you talk about both of those guys real quick? Um, obviously, great to continue adding receiver talent. Um, but I know they're excited about, about Day on the other side, who you know, doesn't have as much hype as Robinson. Um, but I think those are equally as, as important pickups. Yeah, we'll start with Chance Robinson, blue chip player out of St. Thomas Aquinas, wide receiver, six one and a half, verified get to six two, big body guy, craftsman. You watch his film, his releases are as good as it gets. You see him cook Antoine Jackson, former Miami commit, um, who ended up leaving the class. But Chance Robinson is really that's what he brings is the craft of the releases, the routes, very good hands. Really good hands. He's not somebody who's going to run a four three, but he's fast enough. And we get 6-2. When you combine it with the craft, that's what plays. Even up to the NFL level, those are the guys that make plays. Those are your Javante Adams of the world. Those are your Cooper Cups of the world, the craftsmen. That's what Chance Robinson brings. Also a long jumper, so he has some athletic ability on the track. But really, it's about his pure receiving ability. This is a guy who's been very productive. A lot of catches at St. Thomas. Not somebody who is more potential over production. He has the production. And what I like about him is toughness. You watch his film. He's blocking. He's burying guys in the dirt. He's bringing elements that we've not seen at receiver at Miami. When you talk about, again, toughness, blocking, craft. You had that with a guy like K.J. Osborne on Alan Hearn, certainly, but you don't have it consistently. And too many high, highly recruited blue-chip guys have come to Miami. Braxton Berrios. Braxton Berrios. Again, the NFL guys have had it, but a lot of guys have come to Miami that had superior athleticism to those guys but didn't have those traits as far as the craftsmanship and the toughness. So that's what you get from Chance Robinson. I think it's a needed thing. Obviously, plays for South Florida Express with uh, JoJo Trader, a five-star wide receiver out of Chaminade, and Jeremiah Smith, another receiver out of Chaminade, best receiver I've seen down here since I can remember, Andre Johnson maybe. Um, Norm and Lane. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we talk about Chance and that South Florida Express. you got to get in there. And I think Chance is in. He showed up to the spring game with JoJo Trader. JoJo Trader starting to trend more towards Miami. He's always liked Miami. He needed to see Miami's new offense. Liked what he saw in the spring game as far as schematically, the ball in the air. So expect that to help with those South Florida Express kids now that you got a foot in the door and breaking the stranglehold from Ohio State. So Chance Robinson, uh, huge pickup. And then you talk about another big program, Southern Lab, Baton Rouge, going down there to get Dylan Day. Not as highly touted as a Chance Robinson. This is somebody who really is an unknown on the recruiting as far as the recruiting services. He does have Power 5 offers, and he does have – He'll have more as time goes on. But this is someone that Gidry liked. Gidry liked him at Marshall. Gidry liked him at Tulane. Gidry liked him at Miami. Went and got him. You watch the film. Some of the most fun film you'll see. Extremely, extremely physical. This guy is looking to bust heads, whether he's involved in the play or not, whether he's just blocking for someone on interception. He's trying to knock people out, sometimes multiple on the same play. Even though he's a lanky guy, he's got natural strike and pop when he hits. Again, pop the film in on Dylan Day's junior highlights on canesinsight.com. You'll have a lot of fun watching those. Shows corner ability, plays linebacker, plays safety, plays wide receiver, so he has some ball skills. Really versatile. I think at Miami, more of a nickel. And 
people think of a nickel as just a small, short, kind of quick guy, but you need some run support at that position, especially when you're not playing the traditional Sam anymore. So in your base defense. So he's somebody I think is going to be physical. They liked his Miami liked his frame on the visit. They thought he was tall, lanky, going to fill out really nice. He has verified measurables. You know, 11-3 in the 100, which isn't that fast, but I'm told he, he ran a 40 uh, electronic that proprietary times can't exactly say, but he should be a 4-5 guy once he fills out and gets, gets some more training. He'll get heavier. He'll get stronger. But the versatility and the toughness and the instincts very much needed in this secondary. So this is, to me, a good take. Some of the other guys, and we'll talk about some other names I need to see more from as far as Miami pursuing, the, the more the evaluation kids, the three stars. And we'll talk about some guys that might be on the horizon. But of all that group, Dylan Day, the one who committed, I think is, is the most exciting prospect based on what we've seen on, on tape. Um, other names to watch for in the future as far as commits, Juan Manaya from Paramus, New Jersey. This is a 6'6", 3'15", former basketball player. Got offers recently from Penn State and some other big schools starting to pick up interest. Mirabal loves this guy. He's low, you know, kind of like Frankie Tinalau. Not a lot of hype recruiting-wise, but starting to get some big offers and just the size and body type alone. Being a, a 6'6", 3'15", kid that's not fat. Um, I want to see more athleticism from him just watching the film. Just a little more, a little more pop, a little more leverage. But he's somebody who you can see why Cristobal likes him and Mirabal like, likes him. They want size. Mirabal said in one of his interviews, mass kicks ass. He wants big guys. He got big guys last time. The highly rated guys were big. The sleepers were big. Minaya fits in that, that latter group as a big sleeper who should be continuing to rise throughout the process based on his current offer trajectory. I like Miami for him. Isaiah Thomas, another name. This is a 6'3", 197-pound safety from Clearwater, originally from Ontario, Canada. Runs in the 4'6'3's. This is somebody with a lot of physical ability, big safety. Coming off an injury, ended a season last year. Sophomore tape better than the junior tape because of the injury. I've heard great reports on him from Miami. I want to see more just on the field when he comes back, but you can see the size is obvious. This is a big, big kid who can run. So excited to see his development. I think he's somebody that Miami will land potentially very soon. Big schools in the mix there, Florida, Florida State, and some big out-of-state schools. He's a pretty highly recruited kid at Clearwater, which is a haven for international players. Again, him from Ontario, Canada. One more player I wanted to, to mention, Ricky Knight, corner from Benjamin. This is the same school that produced Micah Mays last year. Career, uh, Kair Elam a few years ago, who was a first-round pick out of Florida. Ricky Knight, six-foot. Not the fastest guy in the world. That would be the knock on him, but has high interest from Florida State. That's who Miami's battling. This is a smart player, a guy that gets a lot of uh, picks on the seven-on-seven circuits, really flash in that respect. Also, you know, on the field and pads, instinctual, can diagnose, can tackle. So really a, a solid player. Me personally want to see the athleticism over the course of the summer and see, see really get a close eye on him and evaluate for myself just how he moves because – that's a speed position. It's a traits position. But at the same time, we've seen guys that were more football players and athletes go to other schools and blow up from South Florida. So Ricky Knight, someone who I think Miami will have a great shot at beating out FSU for at the cornerback position. So those are some names to, to keep an eye on. But, you know, people are going to be listening saying, what about the five stars? You had multiple five-star, pretty much every five-star, high four-star defensive lineman in the country was at Miami this spring. So Miami training very well. JoJo Trader, the receiver. T.A. Cunningham, the defensive lineman. 
Justin Scott, defensive tackle. Uh, Aiden Breland, uh, defensive tackle. David Stone, another blue chip defensive tackle. Uh, the defensive ends, the visit Elijah Rushing, a couple others have high interest. So Miami is really making moves with those big-time defense alignment, uh, linebacker Dylan Williams from California. So these are blue-chip guys that Miami's doing good things for. with. Caleb Odin, Odom, I wanted to mention, uh, from Georgia, from Carrollton, Georgia. This is like a Kyle Pitts-type wide receiver, tight end, top 100 player that's really skyrocketing up the rankings. He visited Miami and absolutely loved it. I saw him up close while he was on his visit. He was chatting up with Elijah Royo. Looks like a basketball player, but not skinny. He's going to have a nice frame once he fills out, and he's a big, big-time athlete. Watch his film. You could see over 1,000 yards last year with top 20, 26 quarterback Julian Lewis. He is somebody who's very, very impressive, and I think Miami has a great shot with him and is trending in the right direction. So the blue chips, don't worry. They're still around, but I think the next group is going to be more of the evaluations, committing and locking in the spot early. Two more names I want to mention as far as portal and recruiting. Chris Wheatley Humphrey out of South Plantation, a running back who was extremely productive last year. Miami loves him. He's a big riser. A lot of momentum building there with him. They would love to add him to the running back room. They think he is a future star. Someone who three-star now, but I think like Chris Johnson last year, he'll be a four-star by the end of this process. No question about it. Just watch the film on Chris Wheatley Humphrey. And then the portal. Uh, the Miami has offered a guard out of Wyoming, originally from the Ivory Coast, Emmanuel Pregnon, hopefully pronouncing that right, uh, but big guy, super talented, just Miami's not going mi- to ignore a very talented offensive lineman in the portal, freshman All-America by some publications last year, so he's someone that Miami is interested in, this guy's got offers from Tennessee, other big-time programs, but uh, Miami is going to be aggressive, even at a position like offensive line, where you say, okay, all they need is a backup material offensive lineman, they will still pursue studs if they can get them just to add talent to the roster so keep an eye on those two names especially with Chris Wheatley Humphrey I think that one's building steam fast so D switching gears you know we we had a chance to break down the spring game and all that and the football stuff's nice and fun but the crown jewel program for Miami athletics right now being the basketball program we've had we've had a few weeks to come down from the the Final Four hangover and kind of look back on, on the great season they had the last two years, really, because it's going to be the changing of, of the guard now um, with today's news that Isaiah Wong is going to be declaring for the draft, um, and he's he looks like he's full-out declaring uh, he's going to be signing with an agent. You know, Normally they'll say uh, not hiring an agent will test the waters, do workouts, figure out kind of where he's at. But after having done that um, you know, last year, He's he's ready to turn the page. Um, obviously, with him and Jordan Miller gone now, it's going to be a big part of this identity, big part of this team, which we expected this move, right? But I know some people around the program were holding out hope that uh, maybe he, he did use his final year of eligibility. Um, but he's moving on and, you know, just looking at, at the legacy that he leaves at Miami, you know, two Elite Eights, a Final Four, um, ACC Player of the Year, a guy who really got better throughout his uh, Miami career. I don't, I don't. I know that when he was early on his career, you'd see flashes, but there were a lot of frustrating moments, some of the shot selection, things of that nature. But you got to give him credit for really evolving um, as a player, and I mean, just being a, a very highly accomplished player here at Miami. Ton of big shots. He is a shot maker uh, at his core. Um, I think 
him for the next level, continuing to be someone who can be a true point guard, uh, someone who can uh, run an offense is going to be big for him. Um, but I think he's going to be able to get a bucket wherever he, wh- whatever level he plays at. Yeah, the three-point shots started coming yeah. later in his career. That shows you that he's a worker. And like you said, accomplished individually, team-wise, improvement-wise. He's done everything. I mean, aside from getting upset when you had the big, the big deal um, to Nigel Pack, which I understood his position. You know, that's natural. We'd all kind of react in a pretty similar way. Ultimately came back, stayed with the program, and did huge things. So what can you say about Isaiah Wong except thank you for, for what you've done? He's a true cane and someone who's going to be remembered very, very fondly. I bet his jersey might hang on the rafters um, because of what he did both individually and team-wise. and was a highly recruited kid, too, who came to, to Miami during a time that there was some uncertainty, obviously. So, um, you know, hats off to him. Absolutely. Now the fun begins again because now you see who's going to step up and fill in that spot. Portal situations we'll talk about. But really, I'm looking at the in- internal improvement because now Nigel Pack, there was some tension last year, I thought, where Pack really wanted to let loose a little more. But he had to defer a bit to Wong, and he couldn't just just let it rip like he maybe wanted to. I think you'll see more of those way downtown. Like he did in threes. the Houston game, yeah. Right, and then, you know, that, that makes it easier sometimes to shoot when you're not worried about it. You're saying, all right, I got to shoot, I'm going to shoot. It makes you shoot better even though the volume's going up at times and the, maybe the contest goes up, but you're just, you know you're going to shoot. You're not hesitant. So I think you might see a jump in packs game, and then certainly Wuga, Wuga Poplar, uh, he's going to have the, the leash off. He's going to be playing and expected to play like a Wong. He has a beautiful shot. He can get to his shot. He's someone who you'd hope to see a massive leap. And while there'd be portal additions, I would think the portal additions will be to complement those guys, and then those guys are able to improve their games to fill that gap as opposed to having someone else replace Wong. Well, and, and the other guy I would mention is Chris Watson, who, you know, essentially this was a redshirt year for him at Miami, but I would look for him to take a similar leap to what Wuga did this year uh, to uh, to next year, uh, excuse me, last year to this year. And then Bensley Joseph uh, is another guy as well who, um, you know, you mentioned at his defensive ability and his and his length becoming a problem, even though he's not a the, the biggest guy in the world, right? He uh, he brings that in, that defensive intensity, and you know he he made a lot of big shots for Miami this season. I would expect uh, him to continue to develop offensively. But Chris Watson is the guy from you know Washington D.C. St. John's, a, a real good program up there. And you heard Jordan Miller in his press conference. Uh, last week, I believe it was his exit press conference, if you want to call it, um, that that he's a guy who once the game really slows down for him um, as a scorer, he's going to be a problem. You know, six seven, six eight, can shoot the ball, really good athletic ability, can score it off the dribble. Larinaga has, uh, you know, throughout his Miami coaching career and probably before that, I can't say I. I you know, followed him very closely at George Mason, but he hasn't always trusted the young players uh, and, and hasn't put them in the, the, you know, most prominent situations. Um, so that, you know, that's always one of the big things about, you know, developing a Miami. If you can get past that first year or two, um, then you're, you're probably going to be a way better player than when you first came in. And that's just what Larinaga and his staffs do as they develop guys. He's someone within the roster that I'm really looking at next year uh, to take a, a big leap. Um, but a couple guys who were confirmed to be visiting this past weekend, 
uh, Dayton's Mustafa Amzil, um, and then Northwestern's Robbie Baran. A um, couple guys who kind of similar, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, can stretch the floor, um, you know, shoot about 35 36% uh, from the three-point line. Um, Amzil showed the ability to also score, you know, around in the post, around the paint. Um, but Baran, I found it interesting just doing some research on him. I saw a tweet from last year where Chris Collins, the Northwestern coach, um, said Miami or said that uh, Northwestern would would ha- be using Baran in some you know roles similar to what Miami did with Sam Wardenberg. Uh, and this is something that John Rothstein tweeted back uh, last October. So that was interesting to me. Obviously, not knowing any sort of connection at the time between. Baran and Miami, um, but you didn't you didn't have that last year at Miami. A guy who could stretch the stretch the floor um, from that spot. You saw Jordan Miller play that role, you know, most of the year as the four. Um, but you need multiple guys to replace a Jordan Miller, and I think Amzil and Baran would be really good fits. Their their numbers aren't going to wow you from a points per game. Uh, perspective, but that doesn't necessarily scare me. I think, again, we know what the core of the team is going to be next year. We've talked about it the last couple of weeks. Pack, Omir, Wuga Poplar, you know, and now they'll go add some pieces that um, really fit into what they're trying to do. So I would like to see them, and, you know, it's already been confirmed that Miami has made contact with Matthew Cleveland from Florida State, but he's the guy that I'm looking at right now. We'll, you know, we'll see what news comes out over the next week or so. But he's a guy that I think could really – you're already getting a lot of top five, top ten predictions for Miami. But a Matthew Cleveland who has been a, a projected lottery pick, a projected first-round pick at times, leaves a Florida State, always has been known for his uh, upside on the defensive end, um, but took a big leap this year as a three-point shooter, shot 17% as a freshman from three, shot 35% this year, averaged 13, 14 points a game. But again – He's not a guy coming in that you need to score 20 points a game, but the upside that he brings, right, his talent level overall, him just being that wing defender, um, really next-level type talent, right, could he come to Miami and hopefully develop his offensive game even more under Larinaga and staff? It remains to be seen, you know, what his recruitment's going to look like. And, again, He's, he would be coming to a situation where there are, there are other guys who are going to need shots. Um, but, man, if you, could, if you could land him, then that's, to me, a, a top-five team without a doubt heading into next season. Yeah, you mentioned replacing Jordan Miller. That, to me, is going to be harder than Wong. Yeah. There's internal replacements for Wong. Miller's the one you have to go outside and piece together that contribution. So... Excited to see it. There's Jordan Miller's passing ability. Sorry to cut you off, Please. but that was really to me what a lot of people, you know, don't, are not going to see in the box score. Um, but his ability to slow things down—not only when Miami needed a bucket, um, but controlling the pace of the game and being a point forward. Um, when again, Pack and Wong are not; those guys are shot makers at the end of the day, right? But in terms of facilitating the offense, that's what Jordan Miller did most of the time for Miami. And you had Charlie Moore the year before, so you need to fill that that gap. I'm not sure if Pac's going to do it or, or Wooga, so that's another one that we'll have to see how that plays out. But, yeah, exciting things on the basketball side, obviously, as long as, as well as the, uh, the football side now with, with spring football. Wrapping up, again, guys, we're going to have, uh, you know, 
a lot of great content coming leading leading into the season now um, and you'll see our studio continue to evolve like subscribe comment and like the money said pay attention to the live shows we're going to be doing those um, every week going to be bringing some people on there as well having fun with it so join us on there um, I know those will those will get interesting when the season starts too. Yeah, I'll have a lot of fun with those. Subscribe, you get notifications when they start, and you can jump on and start making fun of Pete and whoever, and uh, and getting your questions on there. But looking forward to the summer. It's portal season. It's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. So stay tuned because it's gonna be moving fast. Canesinsight.com. Check the forum route. You get in front of the computer. I guarantee you some news is broken. Go Canes.